Hi, I'm Ryan. Welcome to Bible on the Beach. Now, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 12. I do this to help disciples make disciples and for churches to plant churches so as many people as possible can be in God's family in every space and in every place, literally around the world. The way that we do that is by uh, making it okay to follow Jesus, just a few people to, you know, 40 people or definitely less than 100. That strategy, you can see uh, the family of God and the church and God going to every little nook and cranny in the world. It's really exciting. Uh, in fact, I just have really enjoyed the last three years of my life as I've had church at a coffee shop, had church in a jiu-jitsu jiu studio, had church on the beach, um, had outreaches uh, in front of my garage with movies with my neighbors. It's been a really fun time getting to travel the world and help people get water and plant churches and teach some of this very simple Jesus in the Bible stuff. It's really refreshing and it's really fun. It's really full of life. I hope it encourages you. And the reason why I come down and uh, do Bible on the Beach is because I'm a pastor. That's what pastors do. They teach the Bible. So I started out um, 157 episodes ago uh, just being faithful to teaching God's Word. That's why I do this. So today we're going to be uh, in Acts chapter 25 verses 1 through 12. It says, uh, three days after Festus assumed his duties in Caesarea, he made the journey to Jerusalem. Religious authorities and prominent leaders among the Jews brought formal charges against Paul before Festus. They came asking him for a favor that he would transfer Paul from Caesarea to Jerusalem, all the while plotting to ambush and kill Paul along the way. Now, they wanted to switch the location of Paul's trial for two reasons. One, they would find a more favorable jury in Jerusalem, which was the center of Judaism. <clears throat> and also, not only would they find a more favorable jury producing the outcome that they wanted, but the other thing was that they didn't even want him to get to the trial. They wanted to take his life along the way. So there was literally a conspiracy, not a fabricated, marketed conspiracy, but an actual one. And they were trying to end Paul's life. We're going to find out exactly why. Now, verse 4, Festus responded to the request by informing them that he planned to return to Caesarea shortly. He said to them, your leaders can come with me to Caesarea. If this man has broken any laws, you can bring charges against him there. Now, after Festus had stayed in Jerusalem no more than 8 to 10 days, he left for Caesarea. The day after he arrived, he convened the court, took his seat on the bench as judge over the proceedings. Now, this is the moment that we've been waiting for when Paul is actually going to get to the he's been sort of dealing with the appellate courts the federal courts the state courts now he's going to come up literally to the supreme court the really really the proper analogy here so that they can get some clarity about what it is exactly that paul's done up until this point it's been hyperbole hyperbole and slander accusation malice um and so a lot of character assassination happening so now paul's going to get a chance to explain himself now <clears throat> He brought Paul into the courtroom. The Jewish leaders who came from Jerusalem encircled him and leveled against him many serious charges with it, which they were unable to substantiate. So <clears throat> you learn in life there's a difference between someone accusing you and there's a difference between those accusations being true um, and reasonable. Here, they simply had fabricated all of this because their power had been threatened. And You'll go through seasons in your life where, where you will have either people or um, maybe a work environment where it won't be favorable to you. 
that's a test. It's a time to lay low. It's a time to be humble. It's a time to learn. My strategy is don't, don't defend yourself. People that have already made up their mind about you, you're not, there's nothing you can do that's going to change their mind. In life, you will have people that judge you. In life, you will have people that make up their minds about you. In life, you will have people that you don't really have any influence with. The best thing you can do is not to do anything. Don't say anything. Don't try to get people on your side or get people to like you. Just quietly be humble. Quietly serve the God, quietly serve God until he opens up the next door for you to walk through. This seems to be a lost art these days. Everyone's consumed with being right, defending themselves. It's really counterproductive, especially for the kingdom of God, for the real servants of Jesus. We're not called to build our platform. We're called to love and serve others. And so it's a reminder that uh, we need to do that. <clears throat> so the next part here, best is one in a great favor. Uh, says in his defense, Paul said by the Holy Spirit, I've done nothing wrong. I've committed no offense against Jewish law or against the temple or against Caesar. So what he's explaining here is that not only had he not done anything against their teachings, he hadn't even done anything wrong against their culture. And what this really boils down to was a loss of power for the political and the religious leaders at that time. And if you want to see people get upset, threaten the power of political and religious leaders, and you'll find out just how much they're on your side. People are usually on your side up until the point when people listen to you more than they listen to them, which ironically says more about them than it does about you. <clears throat> Paul replied, I'm standing here before Caesar's tribunal. This is where I should be tried. As you well know, I've done no harm to the Jews. If I've committed a crime worthy of death, I won't seek to escape the death penalty, but if none of their charges are true, no one has the, the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Now again, Paul's playing off his Roman citizenship here. So actually, Paul has the leverage. This is precisely why they didn't want the trial in front of this guy, because he knew that uh, they wouldn't have a, a banana republic uh, or a bot court, but that there would actually be a reasonable uh, ethical trial. Not all trials are ethical, moral, and reasonable. Some of them, many of them, are politically motivated. So, after conferring with the members of his council, Festus replied, Since you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Now, several days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea for a visit with Festus. During their stay of many days, Festus explained Paul's situation to the king to get his opinion on the matter. <clears throat> There's a man whom Felix left as a prisoner when I was in Jerusalem. The leading priests and Jewish elders pressed charges against him and demanded that I issue a guilty verdict against him. I explained to them that it is not our Roman custom to condemn any man before he has an opportunity to face his accusers, present his defense. So they return here with me. I didn't postpone the trial, but convened the court the very next day and ordered the man to be brought before me. I listened to their accusation against him, but they were not what I expected to hear, for he had committed no crime. So see, now he's being reasonable. He's assessed the situation, and he says, actually, this guy hasn't done anything wrong at all. <clears throat> Rather, their issues centered around disagreements with him over their religion, exactly, 
and about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive because I was perplexed about how to proceed. I asked him if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem to stand trial in these charges. When Paul appealed his case to the emperor for a decision, I ordered him to be held in custody until I could send him to Caesar. King Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to listen to this man myself. Tomorrow, he replied, you will have that opportunity. So what we find here is that all of this conflict, all of this difficulty did work in Paul's favor. Not all conflict and not all difficulty in our life is bad. Some of it's blessed. You just have to wade through it, and that's the rubbing point. We don't like to wade through the conflict and the difficulty we have. We want to avoid it because we tend to be drawn to comfort. We tend to be drawn to what's easy. We tend to be drawn to uh, the, the easy path for life in situations. But really, we need to learn to embrace hardship and embrace difficulty because those are the tools that God uses to form us um, in life. So, man, thanks so much for listening today. I hope you're blessed by this. And until next time on Bible on the Beach, I hope you have a great day.